Amen. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? I know y'all want to ask a question about the suit. If you know me, why are you wearing a suit? Don't ask about the suit, okay? I'm not going to tell you about the suit. All right, let's talk about the suit. Before I get to the end of this service, you'll know why I wore this suit, okay? I'm not going to give you any more explanation, but man, I look good, don't I? Yeah. They said, uh, Stacy said, man, you look just like your daddy from behind. I was like, I thank you, I think. Because he said from behind, I'm like, okay, all right, thank you. But here, who, who here knows my oldest daughter, Kaylee, that sings on the praise team? You, know, you might not know her, but you know who she is. All right, um, funny story about Kaylee a few weeks ago. And if you don't know her, here's something to know. She's extremely introverted, okay? If we go to a restaurant, a lot of times she will defer to me, her mom, to order her food. True story. She's 17. Okay, Kaylee started a job here recently, and it's just about three weeks ago, so she's still finding her way around it. So she calls her mom last Friday on her way home from her job. She's like, Mom, I, you, I almost quit. I am so mad. You won't believe what the boss did. And her mom's like, what happened? And I'm hearing this on speaker because her mom's listening to it on speaker. I'm in the kitchen doing something. She said, Mom, I went in, and the girl there said, Kaylee, don't. Don't get upset. The boss is going to talk to you and pull you aside because uh, one, the girl you worked with yesterday told her you were slow. Kaylee's freaking out, I'm sure. This is not what she said, but I know she's just thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to talk to the boss, and, she's, and I'm in trouble. So she said her boss came in. She said, Mom, the boss came in. She said, Kaylee, you just really you need to work with a little bit more urgency. And so she said they went on for a few minutes. She said, do you know what the boss asked me? Your mom said, no. She said, Kaylee, are you autistic? And I said, well, I, my ears perked up automatically. I was like, she said, what? She asked you what? Like, I went nuclear in a second. I was like, all right, give me her number. Give me her number. I'm making a phone call right this second. We're getting to the bottom of this. So I call her house or, or call her at the work, and she's not there. So in a few minutes, I'll make it very clear. This is an emergency. You need to call me back. I am not looking or acting like a preacher at this point. So she calls back. She says, yes, Mr. Goins, I heard you want to talk. It's like, yes, ma'am. Um, this is Kaylee Yates' dad. What in your right mind thinks you it's okay to ask somebody if they're autistic? Are you stupid? What are you thinking? Are, are, you, are you crazy? Why do you think you can even ask somebody this? She said, sir. I, 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 and I cut her off. I said, are you calling my baby a liar? <laughs> that is my girl. Are you calling her a liar? She said, no, no, sir, I'm not. There must have been. I said, oh. And it must have been the Holy Spirit for once. He said, Casey, Gusfraba, calm down. Listen. So I was like, all right. You say she didn't, you didn't say this. So you tell me your version of the, of the events. She said, well, I was in there and we were talking. And I said, Kaylee, I have this sign out here. Are you artistic? And I said, dear God, are you serious? I said, ma'am, if that's really what happened, I am extremely sorry. If this is really what happened, let me talk to my daughter and let me find out if this is really what happened. And I will call you back. So I said, Kaylee, is there any way this could have... She said, well, she did start talking about a sign for some reason, but all I heard was... I was thinking, my God. I said, Kaylee, you've worked your way into next week's sermon. Because here's the deal. How we interpret things matters. 
How we interpret things matters. And here's the deal too. How we interpret the law matters. You see that God is the law. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The law. Okay? No, not that law. Local wrestling legend Andrew the Law Howard. We're not going to talk about that law. We're going to talk about God's law. Is that okay? And I'm going to need your participation because I will come out in the crowd. I will do that. And I'm taking this daggum suit jacket off. You hear me? It's hot. Here you go, Denise. Hung that sucker up. I threw it on the floor of the first service. She was about to have a conniption. She's like, oh my gosh, should I go up there and get it and pick it up? I don't know what to do. She's going crazy, I'm telling you. But you heard from several different people in law enforcement on that video. And then you heard from Chaz and Kristen, our own Chaz and Kristen, and J-Dub, John W. Wayne, Irwin. You heard, for, there's several different perspectives on the law and what the law means. Has anybody got a grasp on what they think the law means? I don't want any answers. It's rhetorical. But we all interpret things different, and we all interpret the law differently. But what I want to do this morning is try to understand God's law. And when I say God's law, I mean, you're probably thinking, why are you having them talk about the scientific laws? Because I believe every law of conscience, heart, and science is God's law. It's God's law. He put it, he put it there. He put things in motion. When he breathed this universe into existence, the laws of this universe have to obey him. Do you believe that? So when we're talking about the law, I know we automatically want to get biblical, but, and we are, but I'm talking about every single law, conscience, heart, and science, was breathed into existence by God. Now here's the deal. We're all subject to these laws. Would you agree? We're all subject to these laws. Now we can rebel against the law, but we're still subject to it. You can argue, argue with me that there is no such thing as gravity. You can vehemently deny its existence. But if you go climb on top of this church and jump off of it, you're going to be met with a hard truth. We are all subject to the laws. But why? Why did God give it to us? See, I think it's clear for most of us that we've derived our modern day justice system from the law, from the Ten Commandments. But why did God give us this system? Why did he do that? Um, and we hear this all the time. We're under grace. We're not under the law. Have y'all heard that? Have you said that? We're under grace. No, we're not under the law. And I agree with that statement almost completely. And by the end of this, you'll know why. Here's what I want to do. I am a fan of grace. Who else is a fan of grace? I would not be here without grace. I would not be alive without grace. But what I want to do is I want to get to the heart of why God gave us the law at all. Why, why did he do that? Why did he do that? And here, more importantly, should we unhitch ourselves from that law? So we just say, hey, we're not under the law anymore. We're just under grace. It doesn't mean anything. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you emphatically, no, we should not. So let's get to it. And you can argue with me later. We can meet out there and you say, hey, see, I'm grace. Amen. We can do that later. See, here's the first. The law is at the heart of the matter. Before Moses ever climbed Mount Sinai, laws, instructions, rules were written on our hearts. Do you believe that? Paul said this in Romans 2, 14, 15, on the Sky Bible up here. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law and they instinctively obey it. Even without having heard it, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts. For their own conscience and thoughts, either accuse them or tell them they're doing right. See, what Paul is rightly saying here is that our conscience 
has always made us aware of God's law. Our conscience has always made us aware. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they hid in shame. They knew they had done wrong. When Moses killed the Egyptian, he fled. He knew he had done wrong. Ironically, God would give him the same law that thou shalt not kill. I think he knew it was wrong before God gave him that law. Would you agree? He didn't have to consult the rules to say, hey, I shouldn't have killed that guy. He knew it. God put that awareness in our hearts so we would know the distance that separates us from him. See, he gave us this thing called free will. We're not just robots. So he had to put something in our heart that says, hey, God, I can't do this on my own. I need somebody bigger than me. I need somebody to help me do this. And when I do wrong, I need something to steer me back to the right direction. I need something to build a bridge over the chasm that exists between me and you. Amen? Amen, Casey. Wow, yes, that's right. (laughs) See, this is what I'm going to call the unwritten rules. Anybody heard of unwritten rules? Anybody watch sports? Come on, guys. One hand? Yo, and it's a girl? Anybody watch sports here? Jacob. See, we got some... Anybody watch baseball? I do not watch baseball. I don't like it. But what I do know is that there's many unwritten rules in baseball. Do not flip your bat. You can't do it. Tennessee broke every one of these unwritten rules this year with their baseball team. They were wearing fur coats around the dugout. First time I watched baseball in a long time. Here's another one. If you hit a home run, do not admire it for too long or there will be a brawl. There's several different unwritten rules within sports. We all know them, okay? What are some unwritten rules in life? We're going to get into a few of them. This one's for the men. Always put the toilet seat down or up. Always put it up and then put it... No, is that right? Always put it up and then put it down after you use the bathroom. Amen? Amen. I am really forward thinking in my house. I would what you would call woke, and I took the toilet seats off. (laughs) We don't even have toilet seats in our house. We don't do it. Hey, it's free. We're equal in my house. We just, we don't need that kind of junk. All right. Here's another one. Praying over our food. Who has wondered where this tradition has come from? I believe that we should be thankful for our food. Who would agree? Thankful for everything. But my mom used to tell me I was going to die if I didn't pray over the food. She's like, you didn't bless that food, you're going to choke on it. I know that's not biblical, but here's what I think is funny, and what I, I thought was funny. What do we do with the leftovers? We pray, to, like, dear God, here I am with this meatloaf again, you know what I mean? Oh, what do I do with it? This is me. Men or women, don't do this. Don't ask a woman how far along she is. Don't do it. How, how many guys have done that, or girls? You're not going to raise your hand. You've done it. Don't do it. If you are not a sister, mom, or best friend of that girl, do not ask that question. That is stupid. Don't do it. Here's a pet peeve of mine personally. If you're going to listen to music, videos, or anything else on your phone that requires sound and isn't a phone call, either wait till you get home or invest in some earphones or earbuds. Huh? Woo! I felt Jesus in that. I mean, FaceTime, speaker, any adjunct. They were walking around Walmart. Do we need some pie rolls and pineapples? I'm like, no, don't do that. Get some earbuds. 
Hate it. Bob gave me this philosophical one. I really love it. And I think it's true, Bob, don't you? Over the eons. If you smelt it, you dealt it. All right. I think we can all agree. Guys, don't talk about Fight Club. Don't do it. Ain't that right? It's a rule. And this is one of my biggest pet peeves of all times. I'm going to loosen that thing. Woo! If someone holds a door open for you, have the decency to appreciate that they open that door up for you and say thank you. Oh! I have got in the car and been like, I'm ready to go smack this. I th- here's what I want to do. And they would just walk by me. I want to jerk them back out the door and slam the door and say, God bless you. Have a good day. <laughs> it makes me so mad every time. Because I'm like, hey, I'm doing the good thing. Here's your door. And they're like, like get you. Get me. drives me crazy. Here's their first thing. Rules lead to recognition. Rules lead to recognition. Because God gave us common sense and a conscience, it leads us to recognize why we need Him. And it leads us to recognize the distance between me and Him. We need Him. Now, now that we've established what unwritten rules are, what about the written ones? Let's talk about them. So let's go to Exodus 12, 21. If you got your Bibles, if not, they'll be up here. Then Moses called all the leaders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin and take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frames of your houses. And no one, and no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the door frame, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Here's what that tells me. Reliance before rules. God wants us to trust and rely on him. And that's what this verse is all about. That's what it's all about. Hey, here's the deal. Before God ever gave Moses a commandment, law, or rule, he wanted to enter into a covenant with him and Israel. Israel. He wanted to start a relationship with him. That's the deal. That's what this is about. He said, hey, I want you to trust me implicitly. Before he ever gave him a rule. See, the Ten Commandments here is not for another eight chapters. This is Exodus 12. The Ten, Ten Commandments is not till Exodus 20. So he said, hey, he did this in the garden as well, if you've read your Bibles. He said, he said hey, Adam and Eve, I have gave you everything you need, everything you've ever wanted, everything your heart desires. All I want you to do is to trust me. That's all I want. That's all I'm asking for. I want you to rely on me for everything. See, that's what we do when we decide to enter into a relationship with Jesus. We give him our trust for the first time. We say, God, I can't do this on my own. I've tried it. I've tried it. I've, I've failed miserably. I need somebody else to pick up the slack. That's what we do. We say, God, here it is. I'm relying on you. See, he wanted our trust in the garden. He wanted Israel's trust in Egypt. And he wants our trust in his perfect sacrifice. How, how many of y'all know that trust is the ga- groundwork for any, any meaningful or sustaining relationship? Do y'all have friends and stuff that you actually don't trust, that you rely on? I mean, I used to, but I was a drug addict, okay? I used to have this dude that I was friends with, and every time I talked to him, I'd ask him something, and he'd say, I swear to God, you knew he was lying every time. 
Whenever he said that, he's like, okay, he's lying. I know he's lying for sure. We don't need those kind of people. Trust is an important factor in a relationship. It's key. My next point says Josh McDowell, if you've never heard of him, he quipped when he said this. He was talking to parents on how to build relationships with their kids. And he famously quipped this. Do you want to put that up there, Chloe? Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And here's the deal. First, we acknowledge God, we trust Him, and then we enter into a relationship with Him. You can't give laws to somebody you're not in a relationship with. You can't give rules to somebody if you're not in a relationship with them. It never ends up like love. Here's what it ends up, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees with religion. You're trying to control everything that's going on. See, when God gave the law to the Israelites, he had already established a relationship with them. See, it's not about keeping the rules to have a relationship with God. God is not legalistic. The law is not a condition for a relationship. It's confirmation of a relationship. I think you can say amen on that one. And here's why. I'll tell you, every house has its rules. Who here has kids? Well, I, I know you do because we just bet, bet dedicated some of them. So no lie. We all have kids. How many of y'all have rules for your house? You have rules? We might have some lackadaisical people. I have rules. I'm not so much of a rule guy. I'm more of a punishment guy. You know what I mean? I think it, I get more pleasure out of whipping my kids than I do, you know. I, I, I'm just, just saying. But here's the deal. I can't go to a stranger's house and put rules on their kids or them. It would never end well. Matter of fact, they're going to reject what I have to say. Would you say that? I can't do that. Matter of fact, I don't even like it when my family tells my kids what to do. I'll be honest. There's something like, oh, they said that to my kid. I mean, I know they're right, but I didn't like it. It didn't come from me. You know, are y'all like that? So I definitely can't go to a stranger and say, hey, this is how you should run your house. This is what you should do. There's no relationship there whatsoever. I do not set the boundaries for your house. Also, my kids and hopefully your kids know how much I love them isn't based on if they keep the rules or not. Here's the deal. Whenever Kai and Kenley and Chloe and Kaylee were born, they didn't come out and I say, all right, for us to love you, you got to keep these rules. <laughs> no, gradually as they grew up and got older, we put rules on them, right? That's what we do. We don't just say, hey, keep the rules or you're out. No, I gave you rules because I love you, because there's a relationship. I'm so grateful for that. See, I set the rules for guidance, direction, and to protect my kids from the pain that I've endured. I don't want my kids to have to go through anything, me or my wife or anybody else. That's, that's why I set the rules, because I love them. See, God's love for, for me or you isn't based on performance. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad that God's love for me isn't based on performance. It's based on trust in Him. Trust. See, God reminded Israel this right before He gave them the Big Ten. Exodus 20, verse 1. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. See, the first thing that God tells them after he established a relationship, a trusting relationship with them, 
his relationship with us is intimate and it's exclusive. He said, hey, I want to know your heart and I want you to know my heart. But furthermore, hey, this is just me and you thing. I don't want you putting any other gods but me right there. Your money, your finances, anything else, here's the deal. You trust me with everything and I'll work everything else out. That's, what, that's the deal with God. It's trust. The sooner we start trying to do things on our own, the more we, we mess stuff up. Promise. God reminds Israel, hey, I'm the one. I'm the Lord your God. See, when Moses first heard from God, uh, the Israelites had been slave, enslaved for over 430 years. They were in a culture that was uh, polytheistic. There was many gods. The God of Israel was far from their minds. So they really had to do some trusting to think, hey, I could either leave here and maybe die, or I can trust that this Moses guy is really hearing from God. It's a big step. See, when God rescued the Israelites, they had to trust him. They came to the wilderness of Sinai. It took them three months of trusting God to get to this place. They saw God's deliverance in Egypt, received his guidance on the way. They saw his glorious victory at the Red Sea. And they saw his gifts of food and water when they were making their journey. They began to trust in God. They began to trust. And they saw a prayerful victory over the Amalekites. See, this wasn't because they had to keep a bunch of rules. Remember this. The rules were confirmation of a relationship, not a condition. It just said, hey, hey, the rules are not there. They're not, you don't have to do everything just so for me to love you. No, they're there to guide you. All right, let's do an experiment here. Jacob, love you. You can stand up if you want to. Let's play a game, Jacob. Do you want to play this game? All right, your move. Your move. Whatever you want to do. Exactly. Thank you, Jacob. You give it up for Jacob. Here's the deal. You're like, that wasn't much of a game at all. I don't know. What were you even trying to prove? Here's the proof that we have to know the game to know how to play. And more importantly, we have to know the rules. We derive a certain amount of freedom and structure by knowing the game. I can't put a chessboard out here and then throw a basketball on top of it. Don't work. But if I have a chessboard, I know how to operate within that game. That's what God did for us. See, I am so grateful that John Wayne is out there protecting the streets, keeping people safe from speeders. But when he gives me a ticket for going 85 and a 70, I do not like it whatsoever. I am happy when the rules apply to everybody else but me. I think we're all like that. But we, des- we derive a certain amount of freedom. That's why God gave us these rules to keep us safe, to protect us, so we can operate with protection within this system. Here's what I can tell you. God knew all this. And here's what I also will tell you. His law leads to freedom. His law leads to freedom. You remember what God told them in uh, chapter 20 and 2? If not, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you again. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. The place of your slavery. Everyone here has been a slave to something. Everyone here. We've been a slave to something. Paul wrote this. I'm a slave to sin. 
But God called to our hearts. He called to the place where the unwritten rules were written. And he called us out of darkness. Hopefully, and if that's not, and that's not the case, hopefully it will be before you leave today. He called to our hearts. See, the laws in society are here to keep us safe and free, but we are all subject to these laws. But they are here because of the original laws and the ones that were wrote on our hearts. So I know I might be getting some pushback whenever I say the law leads to freedom, but wait until this next statement. God is the law. God is the law. Jesus says this in Matthew five seventeen. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. i tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Here's the deal. Jesus perfected the law. So when I'm talking about the law, I'm not talking about a bunch of silly rules like we still do today. Don't wear a hat in church. Back in the day, it was girls don't wear makeup to church. Now it's girls, please wear makeup to church, some of you. (laughs) I wear a hat to cover up this ugly mug most of the time. But Jesus perfected the law. Remember what I said here, here, that the law was written on our hearts, right? Well, our hearts will never be satisfied unless the one who completes the law lives in our hearts. Never be satisfied. Never. See, there was a connection broken, and that's why God gave us rules in the first place. Jesus had to reconnect that lifeline that was lost in the garden. And you're saying, well, Casey, it's that easy. All I have to do is get saved. No, it's not. As a matter of fact, Jesus up to Annie. Here's what Jesus did. He said, hey, no, it's not going to be that easy. Matter of fact, it's going to be so hard, there's no way you could do it without me. Here's what he said. Matthew, Matthew 5, 27. You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Like, man, that's daunting. Well, he goes on, verse 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your father is perfect. How many feels perfect out there today? How many feels like, hey, I've got this stuff whipped, this game called life, I'm good. Anybody feel like that? No, we don't. So this is really crazy when Jesus says this. You are to be perfect 
as your Father is perfect. The only way we can ever live up to this standard is that the Holy Spirit works through us. That's the only way. See, religion and keeping rules and performing is never going to do it for us and it's never going to do it for God. It's not just not. See, what I found out, the more freedom I have, the more, I, freedom, the, more, the more freedom that I have and I experience, the more grace that I am keenly aware of that I've been given, the easier it is for Holy Spirit to work in me. The easier it is for me to make decisions. The easier it is for me to not cuss uh, my daughter's boss whenever I think she said something that she didn't say. Jesus starts making those things easier to do. See, the bar and standard Jesus raises, it gets easier and easier the more we, we relinquish control. The more we relinquish control. See, the law in its purest form is love. Religion in its simplest form is control. I'll say it again. The law in its purest form is love. Religion in its simplest form is control. See, I think we've all, as, and if we haven't, has anybody been in a controlling relationship before? And don't look to the person beside you, please. But I think we've all, either we've been in a controlling relationship or we've seen somebody else that's been in it. And it was anything but love. It's not love. It's not the perfected law that was meant through Jesus Christ. It's God-given free will that's calling out to its creator for a relationship. See, the thing is, the thing about control is, humans, we're the control freaks in this relationship when it comes to God. We're the ones. We're saying, we become, we become consumed with me and I and forget what he did for us on the cross. He, we forget what we are only capable of if we relinquish control of our lives. It's just the facts. See, the law points us towards grace and forgiveness. I'm so happy that, so happy for that. You're like, the law leads us to grace and forgiveness. What do you mean? Well, I, I know he's got used as a lot of examples here lately, but Tiffany's told you the story of uh, my friend now, John Wayne J. Dub Irwin, right here. He was in the trooper outfit. But here's the thing. He was the last person to arrest me, and I believe it was around January 2014. And uh, he pulled us over. Tiffany set the whole thing up. She made him, made him know where I was going to be. And that, when I found out, I was furious. Now I'm like, thank God. But when he pulled up and he walked up, he could have done this. He could have been like, Casey, you're an embarrassment. You're a real piece of crap. You know what? You ain't not, you're, you're never going to change. I'm getting sick and tired of hearing your name on my daggum radio. But he didn't. It's not what he did. Matter of fact, here's what he did. He said, Casey, man, step out of the car. Or, or no, no, first he said, what's your name? And I said, after I said, Stephen Goins, he said, Casey, step out of the car. He said, Casey, man. You're better than this. I know your family. You are meant for better than this. Now, this is not what he said verbatim, but this is what I remember. You are better for this. You are meant for more. I grew up with you. See, that's what we do. And here, Bo, can you come here for a second, bro? Can you put these on me? I'm going to do a magic trick. 
You, know, you ain't got to be done that tight. Dang, bro, this ain't going back old school. Dang. You stay here. See, what religion will do, it'll handcuff you to performance. It'll handcuff you to other people's expectations. It'll handcuff you to everything anybody else wants to. If they want to control you, that's what it'll handcuff you to. Here's what it ultimately does. It handcuffs you to yourself. That's it. Bo, handcuff this to you. I didn't do it as tight. But here's what, here's what the perfected law of Jesus does. It handcuffs us to grace. It handcuffs us to grace. I can walk around here and grace says, Hey, Casey, you're better than that. You're meant for better than that. You can do something better. Brad, Bradley, this is not what you're supposed to do. I know this decision's hard, but you are meant for something different. That's what the perfected law of Jesus does. It handcuffs you to grace. Bo, thank you, and I'm glad you let me drag you around everywhere. But here's the deal, guys. That was a defining moment in my life. When John Wayne could have been harsh, he showed me grace. The law pointed me towards forgiveness. And that's what its intention is. Thank God for it. Y'all can all stand up if y'all want to bring the lights down. I want you to search your hearts this morning. I know Pastor Kelly already told you that this morning. But here's the deal, guys. There's two types of people in this room. Those who don't know God or those who need some help in some other areas. That's it. We're humans. So I want to give two altar calls. And prayer team, if I got any prayer team, would you come down? First one is, and I would make you bow your head, man, but hey, back in the day, I was in the Just Busted about every other month. So I, I did everything in public that I was crazy about. Now I want to do everything in public that's in Jesus' name. Here's the deal. As I, I am excited that people know that I have been shown grace. So here's what I want to do. If you're here today... You say, Casey, I don't even have that relationship. I, I don't have relationship. What, I, what, what I've had is, uh, uh, is religion my whole life. I've been handcuffed to what everybody else expects of me, and I don't even know that I've ever experienced a relationship. I don't know God like you're talking to Him. And if that's you, I want you to slide your hand up real quick. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. I'm going to give one more, and I expect a whole lot more hands. If you're here and you say, Casey, that's me. I'm guilty of losing control, wanting to gain control, wanting to regain control of my life. I just can't relinquish control of these other aspects of my life. I think I can do it all by myself. If that's you, slide your hand up. Amen. So what we're going to do is right now is they're going to sing this song, and if you didn't raise your hand, Come on down. If you did raise your hand and you just feel like, hey, I might be embarrassed, know that there's people here that love you. This is family in here, yo. This is family. Here's the deal. Is that I wore this nice tux, or nice tux, this nice suit here today. But the deal is, just because I, I wear a suit don't make me a lawyer. It matters what's on the inside of my heart. It matters. 
It matters. I can read all the law books in the world. I can pass everything else. But here's the deal. Only Jesus can forgive me. It does not matter how I look, how I dress. That's all religion. So if that's you today, I want y'all to come up here when they start this song.